Good morning, everyone. Before we begin, let, let's, let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So I'm going to ask Zahao to show the first slide. And see this? This is a, an etching by Rembrandt, he did in 1633. And it illustrates the story of the Good Samaritan. So you can see, I'm gonna ask Sahau for the next slide. You can see this rather unusual looking horse here and a man being lifted up. And the man seems to be in great pain. And just above him, you see two men standing in a doorway. One man has some coins in his hand and he's putting them in his bag that's around his waist. While the other man with his back to us is giving some instructions, waving his left hand, his pointed left hand. That's the Samaritan. Let's look at some other figures. Here's a young boy holding the horse and then the next one is this person looking out the window. And if you saw the whole etching, you would realize that he's looking straight into the face of the wounded man. And the next one. And because this is an everyday scene, we have in the background a woman leaning over a well. And in the foreground, two little chickens. And the next one. We see a dog in the foreground. This is a rather shocking part of this as etching. One of the reasons why I like it. In the early early version of this of this image, uh, Rembrandt did a, a painting, and because he did an etching from it, he actually reversed it. But in the painting, in the foreground, it's empty and very very tidy. And I think the the composition is actually improved by the dog in the foreground. It's like an exclamation point. But I really like to think the reason why Rembrandt included the dog in the foreground relieving himself is because stuff happens. Life is both sacred and profane. There is beauty and there's ugliness. There's deliciousness and then there's the disgusting. So that's what life is and that's what makes this etching sort of down to earth and, and real. So we're going to look at the, 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 the parable. Maybe you can switch back to the very first slide you showed. What do you think Jesus would say about stuff happening? I think he would say, be a good neighbor and clean it up. The parable of the Good Samaritan is likely the most famous story that Jesus ever told. You've probably heard a dozen sermons on it. The, the story has entered our culture and our lexicon, but today few people other than Christians know what a Samaritan is. A Samaritan, many, is a good person. In contemporary dictionaries, a Samaritan, a Samaritan is defined first as someone who does good. The second definition is a member of an ethnic group. It is with the constant and repeated telling that one of the original intents has faded from this story. You've heard the story again this morning. And if you will indulge me, 
uh, let's look at it closely uh, together. Jesus is speaking to a group of people that includes his disciples when a certain lawyer stands up and asks a question. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That is a great question. And Jesus could have said some marvelous things about it. But Jesus asked him some question. What is written in the law? The lawyer responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. Jesus then replies, um, do this and you shall live. I have a sense that Jesus did not want to debate or explain, but the lawyer wanting to justify himself asks, who is my neighbor? Now in Hebrew, neighbor means someone with one, whom one is associated, and in the Greek, someone who is close. So Jesus tells the parable. Now parables often have multiple purposes. To those who are resisting Jesus, they are pointed and make their point without the hearers appreciating the deeper truths. To those who welcome Jesus, they are teaching about love, compassion, and the kingdom of God. A certain man goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem was at altitude and the road was twisty, giving lots of opportunities for ambush. It was a dangerous and lawless road. The man is beaten, robbed, stripped of his clothes and left half dead. But a priest comes down the same road, sees the man and passes by on the other side of the road. Now the priest had his justifications and religious regulations that it would excuse him from tending to the victim. He was probably held in some regard and had his excuses. Likewise, a Levite, another religious person with a significant role in society comes to the same place, looks, and also passes on the other side. What do these two men see? A naked man, left half dead, no identity, yet they both avoid being involved. But then a Samaritan comes along, sees him, has compassion on him. Notice that Jesus never called him good. That honorific was given by Bible editors titling the parable. Now, Samaritans were not held in high regard, but were in fact despised and avoided by the Jews of the time. Samaritans were also Hebrews, and they lived in the north of Israel. 600 years earlier than Jesus, Israel was invaded, and Samaritans intermarried with Assyrians and developed different traditions. Chiefly, they worshipped, meaning they sacrificed on Mount Gerizim, while the Jews sacrificed in Jerusalem. The Jews destroyed their temple on Mount Gerizim, and the Samaritan mixed human bones into the sacrifices in Jerusalem. So there was rivalry, hatred, bad blood, and prejudice. Jesus had a diff different attitude. He didn't detour to avoid Samaria, and he smoked to the Samaritan woman at the well and stayed and preached in her town. Well, let's get back to our story. The Samaritan sees the wounded man, has compassion, 
cleans his wounds, lifts him onto his beast, and takes him to an inn. He cares for him, and the next gag gives the innkeeper some money and says, take care of him, and when I return, there will, if there are additional charges, he would pay. So the Samaritan is the modern equivalent of a first responder, an ambulance, a nurse, a follow-up caregiver, and a health care provider. He responds spontaneously, compassionately, though it is costly and ongoing. Now Jesus asks the lawyer, which of these was a neighbor to the one who had fallen among the thieves? The lawyer responds, the one who showed mercy. Notice that the lawyer couldn't bring himself to say Samaritan, but Jesus has made his point. He says, go and do likewise, be a good neighbor. Also notice that Jesus doesn't answer the lawyer's question, who is my neighbor directly? You can imagine the lawyer might have wanted to be told who to be kind to, to my family, my tribe, people I know and like, and not Samaritans, Philistines, Romans, foreigners, or strangers. So instead of answering directly, Jesus shows dramatically what a good neighbor is like. He says, in effect, be a good neighbor to whoever you meet. Jesus speaks of the ways of love and compassion, of being able to see one another and spending oneself for others. Let's get back to the lawyer's first question. He asks, how does one inherit eternal life? What was he really asking there? Was he asking, how do I get to heaven? Was he asking, how do I avoid eternal punishment? Was he asking, what must I do to earn God's favor? Eternal life is not just about the afterlife or something to be won, but the quality of life, abundant life, living in God and God living in us. So that doing good is not the way we earn our way to heaven or God's favor, but rather it is an expression of God's eternal life in us. We might wonder what the effect of this exchange had on the lawyer. Did he regret all the times he walked past a beggar, the times he did not greet a neighbor, or the times he did not help someone in need? Did he reflect on how empty he was and so ungenerous? Was he inspired and set free to love and show kindness, eventually turning to Jesus? We don't know. But God's word in the Bible it says, will not return to him void, but will accomplish that which is sent out for. Like a seed planted, it will yield its fruit. That's one thing we notice sometimes when we, when we read the Gospels. Jesus says something to somebody and they go away, but we don't know the effect that it has in their life as they chew on it, as they think about it. Nicodemus obviously came to Jesus in the beginning of John chapter, chapter 3, and Jesus says, you must be reborn. But then we find Nicodemus at the end of Jesus' life, um, 
working, you know, to get Jesus buried and down from the cross. So there is a sense in which Nicodemus heard that and his life was revolutionized and he followed Jesus. So there were times when Jesus spoke to people and their lives were changed. This story has been a part of the church of Christianity and Western culture for at least 2000 years. This entered our lexicon. It's part of our culture and language. So much so that many people think that a good Samaritan is just a person who goes out of their way to help. And let's look at this heritage. How about the rise of the welfare society? How about 9-1-1? First responders, hospitals, ambulances, tow trucks, nurses and doctors. How about nurses and doctors on mission to other countries? Think of charities like the Samaritan's Purse or World Vision, where children from Honduras have become our neighbors. How about the Open Door or Welcome Hall Mission? All this could come from Jesus' expanding vision of love and care for our neighbors. Even in our laws, we have been influenced. There are good Samaritan laws that make it mandatory to help someone in need or laws that protect someone who intervenes to help from being sued for damages, even protecting doctors when they intervene as private citizens. The parable spoke to the lawyer about setting aside his prejudices and about being a good neighbor. It speaks to us religious people in church who call ourselves Christians. Let's not be like the priest and the Levite. Our religious observance can't justify us. It is in knowing God and his priorities of love, his heart and action that we are, will be included. Compassion for others and action was Jesus' message. If we love God, we will show it by loving others. God loves us and we have a well of life springing up within us. The parable also speaks of compassion for the victim. And compassion for the Samaritan. The message is reinforced by Jesus identification with the wounded victim, with the outcast member of society, and with the person striving to do good. Jesus reinforced that story with his life and death. It spoke to the disciples, the church and larger society, and continues with each news report of someone who intervenes to do good and pays even with their life. And so, as we seek to respond to this story, let us consider who our neighbor is, the one next to me, whoever I encounter anyone I see, anyone I'm associated with, anyone in need. Let us pray and let us consider how to be a good neighbor. Let's ask the Lord for a heart of compassion, the heart that God wants to see, the heart that God is transforming within us. And let us not be weary of doing good. 
knowing it is God who is at work within us, both to will and to do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that goes forth and is planted in hearts and produces seeds. We pray, Lord, now that your word would grow in our hearts, that we would be transformed, renewed, and strengthened in the task you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.